You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. I'm your host, Kathy, aka Murph, and I'm here to share with you interviews about biking experiences from bicyclists who have pedaled to amazing places within the United States. Each week, we will get to know new people and explore great destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these great adventures cyclists share, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, on the show today, we have Michael Nelson. Hey, Michael. Hi, how are you doing, Kat? Good. So we haven't actually uh, met besides the few minutes that we talked uh, before we started recording. Um, but Michael, you're kind of a legend in the cycling world as far as speed and crazy events that you've been part of. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. Well, thank you. Very kind words. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about cycling as well. Awesome. Awesome. Well, then you came to the right place because that's all we do here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why don't we start out by um, giving me an idea or giving the listeners an idea of where you live and what bicycling is like there? Sure, sure. Um, I live in Austin, Texas with my wife, Jessica, two sons, Gus and Wells, who will be five and three years old mm. in the end of February. We also share a home with Mabel, a 14-month-old Griffin, and Shaw, a 13-year-old Tabby. So nice. it's a busy household, yeah. young young kiddos. Uh, so that that's played a lot into kind of my cycling routine, uh, scheduling, and and creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're currently in the midst of a major renovation, living in a small apartment in Clarksville. Uh, shortly after relocating to uh, the family to Austin 18 months ago, I was a bit frustrated with my cycling. We were living in Rollingwood a suburb of Austin, and, mm-hmm. and the surrounding Westlake Hills area is not flat. To complicate matters, Austin was hit with an unusual amount of rainfall. Ah. Finally, I just did not know anybody. Yeah. So you can imagine coming from the relatively flat city to the rolling hills of Austin, wet, rocky mountain bike trails, and no guide around town. I was a bit down in my, my new home. Mm-hmm. I eventually bought a set of rollers so that I could at least get some riding in. Rollers are great for building core strength, balance, and bike handling and focus. As time passed, the trails dried up and I learned more about the system. I also improved my handling so that now I can clear most of the sections on my hardtail. Mm -hmm. I I also met some great people who share a passion for cycling, and they showed me around town. Cycling culture in Austin is very diverse, whether it be the terrain, style, and or purpose. But one thing is that it's challenging, and little wonder there are so many talented cyclists from here. Yeah. Fast forward, I'm biking more than at any point in my life, and I'm stronger and saving gas all along. So, so it's it's been it's just overall it's just been a great transition uh, from New York City, where I really uh, I, I think adopted or grappled on to cycling as a way to keep my mind, body, and soul kind of uh, mm-hmm. at peace. And moving to Austin, it was a bit disruptive, but it, it took some time. And you know, once I became more exposed to it, there's so much more to off, be offered here from a cycling perspective than anywhere else I've been. So yeah, I'm super happy about it. It definitely sounds like you have it figured out. And on a side note, um, my brother um, lives in Austin, so I've been there quite a few times, um, but I I don't think I could find a flat area if I was I don't even know how so I can imagine the volume of 
hills that you use on a daily basis? It's crazy. You know, on the typical ride, I think a big ride you can you can gauge by uh, elevation, and it's not it's not hard, whether it be a short ride or a long ride, to to achieve a hundred feet of elevation gain per mile. Oh so yeah, so you know, I, I would do twice what I'm seeing people even in the woodlands in Houston are doing, and they they may achieve a hundred feet, three hundred feet of elevation. And you know, my ride home tonight, I, I can very easily over twenty miles do two thousand feet of elevation. Oh my god! And it's very steep. Some of it can be even you know double digit, double digit, digit uh, percent incline. Yeah. So it's it's very punchy, um, short, intense climbs, and you know it's. It's great training for anywhere else. It made Colorado seem easy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and it it brings me to uh, a race that I know I want to talk about in a second called the Das Hügel, which um, I did look it up. And in German, that does mean the hill. So but before I get into that, um, do you have any places in your area in the Austin area that you say, oh, my gosh, you've got to come and ride here? Yeah, there's a there's a, a a town called Fredericksburg. It's not in Austin, but it's you know just about an hour's drive, which mm-hmm. you know f- from the Midwest, you know, it's not that too bad. Especially if you want to get away from the the hustle and bustle and the car traffic, uh, which kind of dominates downtown. And in Fredericksburg, there's just an amazing kind of uh, hill country. You know, farm roads, you're going over the cattle roads. Oh, nice. uh, Amazing vistas. And it's also uh, the location for a lot of Texas vineyards. So you get to ride along that. It's very similar to like a Napa or Mm -hmm. even like an East Hampton kind of environment. You have these open fields. And uh, there's a lot of great antique shopping there, too. So, you know, for those who want to split the time between a bike ride and maybe some more cultural activities or mm-hmm. some you know great wine tasting. You can you can do it all within like a, a single day trip. It's pretty amazing. Um, I, you know, and, and it, as we spoke spoke about before, you know, it took me some time, but once I did get my climbing legs, you know, riding around Westlake Hills is is pretty pretty amazing. You know, there are these a series of twisty, punchy climbs that uh, that wind around uh, a big, really big, I think. A hilly landscape that you know has been you know occupied by residents over time, so the, the houses are set back in the wooded uh, forest, and these these roads are pretty narrow, twisty, punchy, up and down, uh, very intense bike rides, mm-hmm. but beautiful all along the way too. And since you have you know residents living in that area, are they pretty uh, friendly with bikes? Like, do they share the road? Uh, they're. For for the most part, yeah. yes. Um, it's also because they can't go very fast either. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, generally, we'll be going about the same speed. You know, about twenty five miles an hour. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, and I ride pretty visibly. I ride. I like to say big. I'm a fairly tall uh, individual. I'm about six five. So I, I, in itself, you know, am in 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 the view of the drivers. But I also put some lights on my bike too which even during the day they flicker and they catch your uh your eyes so you have to but on some of the other roads which i like to ride the traffic is a little bit faster it's a little bit disconcerting but they do have a little bit larger bike lanes um Mm -hmm. but you just got to really just keep your head on the swivel regardless i mean i think some of that sensibility i i learned from riding in new york city yeah i was just gonna ask you about that yeah, New York City, you you really 
you have to have your head literally on a swivel, but the, the cars and primarily the taxis are, are scared to death of hitting a cyclist. So, you know, it's, um, it's, it's, it, it's definitely a, a compromise and a mutual respect that everyone has to have for each other. And I think I've learned some of that, um, bravery <laughs> while <laughs> cycling in the city, maybe too much so. Yeah. Well, and you know, you said that you lived in New York or you came from New York. Are mm-hmm. you talking like suburbs or are you talking like, you know, hardcore eight lanes of traffic and you weaving in and out with your uh, single speed messenger bike? Yeah, that, that's exactly <laughs> right. I um, I moved to New York City in uh, the summer of 2000 and went to Columbia University to study graduate school in architecture and real estate. And while I was there, um, I had a lot of friends, but I also had some downtime and, you know, it was a great way to learn uh, the city and, and where things are located in Manhattan. So I, I did actually have a fixed gear uh, track bike <laughs> that I put brakes yeah. on. Yeah. So I could brake in traffic and I would ride up and down 8th Avenue, Broadway, you know, downtown, uptown. I'd go across the bridges to Brooklyn, but I was really limited in, in terms of my geography because it was a fixed gear and after a while your your legs get pretty worn out um but uh i it was it it definitely was a big part of my life during the downturn i i begged my mom and my wife to let me buy a proper road bike and (laughs) shortly thereafter i uh, was invited to join a a club team that uh, raced in in new york and around and from 2011 on, it was really a huge, huge part of my life in New York City. Nice, nice. Well, um, so speaking of getting in, onto a race team, as far as you know, New York. Uh, obviously, you're in Austin now, so you are uh, living in Texas. Again, a reference back to my brother. He told me that uh, he's told me several times that there's this bike race called Das Hugel. And his street that he lives on is one of the hills that the cyclists go on. And so he's telling me all about it. And then he mentions that you have done this race. So I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got to talk to this guy. So tell us about Das Hugel, you know, maybe uh, whatever you want to tell me about it. And then I probably have some questions. Sure, sure. It's um, simply it's a 110 mile plus uh, unsupported bike ride, road bike ride throughout Austin and the knuckleheads, whoever devised this route aimed <laughs> to hit every climb in Austin that was of you know significant either uh, elevation, incline, um, uh, sequence. So over that 110 miles, uh, the participants uh, climbed over 13,000 feet of elevation, depending on your computer. Yeah. And this is in one day, right? One day. And, you know, as we were speaking before, you know, the, the, the climbs in Austin are far different than the climbs in Colorado where you can do a 10-mile climb. Here, mm-hmm. there's very few climbs that exceed half a mile, but you can climb 400 feet in that half mile. So oh, there's, there was a climb in, in the middle of the race that, that might approach 20%. Incline. Oh my god! And it's it's uh yeah leg burning excruciating experience, but it's you know very short, poppy, intense moments. And I think over the race or the ride, 110 miles, there may be 27 primary climbs. So it's it's an up and down event. Yeah. 
Wow. And you said it's unsupported. So do people just choose to do it because they want to say they did it? Yeah. Ah. Yeah. There's a, there's a Facebook page and, you know, about October every year, you know, they, they confirm for the people who wish it would go away, that yes, it's coming <laughs> back. It's got a huge following. You know, I've spoken with people as far away from Houston who drive up for it. Um, and maybe even Colorado. So it's a, it's a well-known ride. You know, there's been some local pros that will do it in the past. Um, and yeah, you know, I think once you do it, November passes, January comes and you kind of forget that pain and right. start thinking about it next year. It's unsupported. It's unsanctioned. So they don't close the roads off, but there are neighborhoods where they'll come out and you know, provide food and some snacks for the riders. Because like, like Mike said, you know, I, I think it's kind of something that you know, unifies different parts of Austin. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So have you done it more than once? I did. I, this, this past November 2019 was my second time. Um, so I'm already indoctrinated. It was a great, a great event for me personally. I, uh, compared to last year, I, I finished the race in a little over an hour shorter time. Um, wow my mile per hour was two miles per hour faster than last year's. And the overall elapsed time was almost two hours shorter. Wow. Yeah. So I, I think it, it had a lot to do with how I trained leading up to it, how I've been mm -hmm. riding um, to work you know, most days of the week now. So I'm fitting in riding at high intensity on my way to work rather than trying to carve that out with family time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, so this year I've, I've definitely felt a, an improvement in fitness and, and also just, um, experience and familiarity with the terrain. Sure. Um, it makes a big difference. So I, I finished with, you know, like the top three or four people. I mean, it's not a race, but you know, just a relative gauge. That's pretty impressive. I mean, we're talking, you know, the amount of elevation and, you know, not very many people, can say they've mastered Das Hugel ride, and here you are in the top three. It was fun. It, you know, I look forward to next year, and I think it, it, it's just kind of a confirmation of the the outcome of you know consistent you know proper training and you know, eating healthy and being focused and having a positive outlook. Sure. And it's just like you mentioned, uh, any you know really intense uh, athletic event where you probably finished it and you're like, nope, never again. I am never, ever, ever doing that. And then I bet you a month later you're like, Meh, maybe yeah. I, I don't eh. Remember that yeah. time? <laughs> it wasn't that bad, was it? <laughs> and now, and no. now here you are in January going, oh, I can't wait. Can't wait. No. <laughs> wow. Well, another event that uh, I'm uh, kind of familiar with because I'm going to be a spectator this year is uh, Leadville. And I'm oh, cool. assuming that you have been part of that as well, right? Yes, yes. That's probably my crown jewel. That that was a kick up, kick the bucket moment. Um, hopefully, hopefully, I'll be able to go back again this year. That's a big goal of mine for 2020. The main thing I know about Leadville is that it's located in Colorado. That's right. And that you have to qualify to participate. But beyond, beyond that, I don't really know. So can you kind of give us an idea of what Leadville is all about? Sure. So this one, uh, by comparison to Das Hugel, is a mountain bike uh, race. This is a race. Uh, it's a marathon or an ultra endurance uh, event. It covers 100 miles or 104 to be exact. 
uh, you know, as you said, starts and ends in Leadville, Colorado, which is about 10,000 feet above sea level. And the deal here is you're also doing a significant amount of climbing. Uh, it's about 11,000 feet over the course of 104 miles, but it's all done at above 10,000 oh, feet. Yeah. So you, it's a, it takes a toll on your lungs. There are, there were, I remember we start at, maybe six or seven, you know, six o'clock and you're bundled up. It's maybe 35 degrees and it's dark and about 30 miles in you, you get to the first checkpoint where a lot of family members meet and you just strip off all of that stuff sure, because sure. the sun's blazing. You're working now and you ride off. And at the turnaround at the top of, uh, I think it's Columbine there, it's snow up there. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's like, and that's like a three thousand foot climb that takes you know miles and miles and miles, ten miles or so, and then there's snow up there, and then coming back, the, the time I did it in 2014, there was hail, uh, you know, like mile 80. So you get to see all the four seasons, you get to see beautiful landscape, you get to you know question sure. your your rationale and why you would ever do something <laughs> like this and. But, you know, it's an amazing community out there. They started the race to revitalize that economy. Everyone gets behind it. Uh, They, you know, like the New York City Marathon or some of the other popular races, it's very crowded. I think they have about 1,500 entrants, you know, these days. Mm. So that's where the qualifying, not only to get into the race, the qualifying also helps you with your corral and your start time. And uh, with something like this, you know, with with, uh, so many riders of, varying degrees of ability the closer to the front you are the better and so that that's sort of where i found myself when i did it in 2014 Mm -hmm. and uh describe the terrain because you said it was mountain bike so is it like a single track or like what's the quality of the the roads sure it it varies you know it starts in downtown so there's some tarmac uh to kind of get things situated and then there's a big a big rush to get to the first single track which leads to the first climb and if you're not kind of up in the front at that point you'll end up having to hike your bike and losing time and, and places so there's it's a real frenetic race to that single track in that hill and then after that it varies you know there are you know single track there's double track you know the jeep roads then there's some tarmac and some crush and run and you know the climb up columbine is real real loose uh rock that you know Mm -hmm. at some points you need to hike it's not um you know a hundred percent single track so it's it's you know there's a lot of different strategies that can be Mm -hmm. used in this race as compared to other mountain bike races you know, including drafting. You know, I saw one guy who wanted, when I did it, he was wearing road pedals and road shoes because he was able to get a more firm mm. uh, push on his pedals because he was never going to get off because it wasn't as technical as something where you may have to hike mm-hmm. if you're that far out. Um, so it, it varies. And so you have to think about that in terms of your setup and your strategies because it can be wide open and windy. And if you're by yourself, you know, it's it's a lot worse than being with a few people and and sharing a draft. Sure, sure. And um, you mentioned that this is a, you have to qualify, or I think Mm -hmm. I mentioned it as well. Um, So are there other events uh, throughout the year that get you to the point? Like, do you have to, you know, do five other events or is it one or how does that work? That's right. Um, The, the Leadfield series uh, sponsors, I I believe there were four when I did it, maybe five now around the country. There's one here in Austin. There's one in the Northeast. Um, there's one uh, in the Midwest and maybe out in California to help 
to g- gather awareness, but also to provide people with the ability to qualify without having to travel crazy distances. You know, just getting to Colorado in August is is a feat in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I when I was looking to do this in 2014, I I saw that there was the race in Austin. It it can it was scheduled in in March. So right after, during you know our, our awesome winters in the Northeast, regardless, I thought I could do it. So I, I I trained as much as I could, you know, in the snow and on the road, and and came down here in March. And you know, everyone's got their tans and they're wearing <laughs> shorts and been out mountain biking all year round. Yeah. And so I got I got absolutely whooped. I got whooped. Yeah. I I was not prepared. I didn't know that there was a neutral station handing out food beverage i bonked um it was it was a really i think uh poor organization on my part but in the end it was also a blessing in disguise because i learned a lot of valuable lessons about Mm -hmm. endurance racing so i uh you know packed up my stuff licked my wounds and uh went back to the Northeast and, and decided I was going to do the, the next qualifier in, um, in Whiteface uh, up in the Anirondacks, you know, where uh, Lake Placid is in the Olympics. Oh, sure. Yeah. So it's a beautiful country up there, much different race, way more hilly. Um, but I actually, because of the time I put in, you know, the weather had changed. It was, it was easier to train. I, uh, was able to qualify. These, these qualifiers are 60 miles, so they're not the full hundred. Okay beat mm-hmm. you down too too soon and uh so i was able to qualify um on my 1995 ibis alibi aluminum frame you know all these other folks are racing on carbon fiber and 29 mm-hmm. inch wheels with disc brakes and i had my my vintage mountain bike out there but <laughs> sure enough i did it i got it done i got the, <laughs> the the coin and and we were set to go to leadville sweet did you get a new bike before you actually hit leadville I tried. I tried. I tried to break it. I tried whatever I could, but no, no one was buying it this time around. So I had to, <laughs> uh, I had to stick with my guns and, and race this one in, in Leadville. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, how about any other organized rides that you have been proud to be part of? Sure. I um actually one that sticks out is is, is simple, like the the bike MS. You know, the, for the multiple sclerosis. Sure, I find yeah. those those events. Uh, really rewarding. Um, I've I've ridden in some of those. I've also chaperoned riders in those too, uh, with some you know racing buddies, and we make it a good long day out of it. Uh, so those those are positive where we can we can raise money for good, but also get out on our bikes and, and mm-hmm. ride. Um, and I've got some some races coming up that I'm I'm pretty excited about. I'm starting to look at more mountain bike races around austin there's a pretty pretty vibrant uh culture here they've got mm-hmm. a marathon series i did one in december which turned out really well and there's uh looking forward there's the austin rattler qualifying event is coming up in march of this year which i'm signed up to do okay and hopefully we can uh qualify for let again that would be the goal yeah yeah and I'll uh, be there to meet you and cheer you on. Oh, hopefully, yeah. Hand me up one of those goos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or Coca-Cola. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, I was going to say on a side note, uh, I went to New York and did the five boroughs ride. Yes. So I was uh, able to ride my bike all over New York and the surrounding areas. But luckily, you know, all the streets were closed and there was tons of police um, keeping, you know, all of us safe. So uh, but that was a white knuckle ride. I don't know if you've done it before, but with 35,000 people of all kinds of ability. I mean, there was, whew, it was a crazy day. You have, you have to, you know, be patient with yes. those, you know, that's certainly not a race. It's it, again, you know, the closer you are to the front, the better, but yeah. you never know when someone's going to come diagonally right into your handlebars. <laughs> right. and, you know, someone wearing a clown costume is, you know, going on, you know, a funny bike. So yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was a great day just because, you know, you get to see so much of the area. Um, and it's just cool to be part of something so massive. It's unique to be able to ride through the city when there's no traffic. Yeah. It's a great, great experience. It's very cool, especially yeah. along the water. Yes. You know? Yeah, definitely. And then taking a ferry back was pretty cool, too. Right. From Staten Island. Yeah. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. So when you think about riding your bike, what is it that makes you want to ride your bike? It's a, it's a sense of freedom for me. I, I, taught myself how to bike when I was five years old. And um, I just remember the freedom I felt when I was able to jump that curb and just go where I wanted to go. Um, I, you know, I, I, the, the benefits to my mind, body and soul, it's really kind of my therapy. Um, I, I do enjoy biking, biking in groups and, and I've met several friends and lifelong friendships through biking, even found a job on the bike. But I do find my my best times are when it's just me and I'm able to pick my route and pick my speed and 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 kind of just lose myself in my own thoughts. Um, that's really that's really why I strive on a, on a daily, honestly, a daily basis to get my bike is just because it, it, it allows me to reset my myself and, and, and get on with the day. And I, I, I show up at work, you know, after my intense bike rides, I think just clear mind, you know, ready to, you know, attack the day. And it's, it's a great way to start and finish. Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, you mentioned you, uh, commute quite often to work and I can tell you firsthand that your, or my mindset, my demeanor, just how you feel is completely different from, when you drive a car to work and you fight traffic and just, you know, hassle, hassle, hassle versus the freedom of a bike ride. I, I can't tell you how many times I've had a, I've, I've had a little smirk uh, <laughs> leaving off the office here. We work along a very busy uh, thoroughfare uh, uh, 360 and I'm just cruising by traffic and they're sitting there, same traffic, same day different day over and over and over again and I'm I'm passing them and it's a game with me to see how long I can ride before the same person passes me <laughs> you know, miles down the road yeah <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> it can it, it quite honestly it can take me the same amount of time or variable to to ride my bike as it does to drive mm -hmm. so I save I save gas I get myself in the, the proper state of mind I'm getting a very good workout and uh, you know, I think it lessens the the pressure of me trying to fit in my bike riding 
you know, with and compromising time with family as that becomes more and more important as as we all grow up. Sure. Yeah. And I'm I'm guessing since your children are really, really young, um, mm-hmm. you may not be doing recreational writing with them yet, but I'm assuming it's in their future. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I, and I, I will caution that response with I will be happy that my boys will do anything. Yeah. They are very much boys. They like their cars. They like we like building with blocks. They are getting up on their scooters and, and they do see me coming home mm-hmm. in my bike gear, and, you know, wasted after a ride. And, and they I think sense that and they see me watching cycling on on TV and they're like, hey, that's Dada racing his bike. <laughs> I'm like, I wish. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but, you know, they definitely see the importance it has in my life. Yeah. And I think, you know, they do both have bikes and we got the helmets and. You know, in our old neighborhood, it wasn't it wasn't very flat and, and conducive to that. But in our new neighborhood, it's going to be flat. And I look forward to, you know, helping them and, and um, get exposure to cycling and seeing if that's something that they would like to do. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, you know, form some bike gangs in the new neighborhood. Yeah, there you go. Looking forward to that. <laughs> but yeah, that's funny. You know, when people ask me about recreational riding, I, I kind of snicker. I don't even own a bike lock. Oh, uh, you know. Yeah, my bikes don't see the light of day unless I'm riding them. Right, you're on um, them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But 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 Jess, my wife, she actually just got me one of those bike trailers. So I I, I was like, how how am I going to fit that on my bike? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where does that thing go? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So I might have to get a new bike. Yeah. Well, and that was actually uh, my next question: is you know, as uh, intense of a cyclist as you are, I'm assuming that you have more than one bike, but do you? I do, yeah. I do, and my and my wife asked why they're always in the bike shop, and so it's <laughs> you know it's part of riding your bike a lot is you know things wear off, wear down or you know they may break on a mountain bike ride. Yep. Um, but I have I have a, an active lineup that uh, includes my Lightspeed L1R, mm, which is nice. a, a, a carbon fiber road bike mm-hmm. that I built up in 2014. And have been, you know, riding and, and changing out wheels and drivetrains. So I love that's my my daily. Mm. And then I have my new mountain bike. I got a new mountain bike in uh, 2016, 17. It's a Scott scale, so it's a pretty lightweight mm-hmm. hardtail, which isn't so great for the, you know, the Barton Springs green belt around here, but it is it is pretty fast and, and fun to ride mm-hmm. so and then i have two retired bikes that for some reason i, I just want to keep and maybe someday hang them up i got this really cool ibis alibi that i raced leadville and then my old specialized tarmac that i used to race then you know i broke the frame and had fixed and oh, wow. so they just mean something special but they're yeah. just collecting dust now <laughs> yeah yeah it actually came up in the last interview i did for the podcast um this woman was, you know, talking about, um, you know, uh, lowering down the volume of bikes she has. And we talked about how emotional that is and that you're just you're like, right. I, there's one time I rode that bike and I just, you know, I remembered it and I don't want it to go away. <laughs> right, right. And they're, and they're not worth to someone else what they're worth to you. And yeah. it's really that intrinsic value. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As long as you have the space for it. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, well, and if you don't, you make the space, I guess. But that's right. Yes, yeah, so you build garages. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you, um, you know, we talked about uh, Das Hugel, which is in your area where you live now, and of course Leadville's in Colorado. But sure. um, have you been outside of those areas and done any bike rides, or you know, whether it's on your own or part of an organized ride? Sure. One one spot that always sticks out is a place called Lynchburg in Virginia. Mm. And it's um, kind of in, in, in the Appalachian Mountains. It's along, you know, um, kind of the western part of the state. And I was living in western Maryland at the time and working at a bike shop. And these guys who uh, I think it's Randolph Macon is the university down there. And, and they took me down there. And it's just a wonderful cycling community, a uh, very small town. Um, but they have wonderful mountains, wonderful trails. Mm. And I was, you know, I always think back to that that kind of time when I, I need a little piece of humble pie. And, you know, the fact that, you know, there's a big world out there and there's a lot of really good bikers and a lot of fast people. And, you know, and, and that was that was a humbling experience riding there and seeing how these guys and gals you know, can ride up and down mountains. Oh, yeah. And it's just a beautiful place. But that's really where I learned, you know to be humble and you know there's always someone faster out there sure <laughs> and then and then ironically we had a beach house out east hampton in the end of long island and i was able to find this really cool trail system about three quarters of a mile away from me and i would you know sneak off on the weekends when we were out there and go do you know one two hour mountain bike rides and just wouldn't see anybody Oh. It was just so peaceful. Yeah, how cool. And in these really dense woods and you just see deer and turkeys and, and turtles and it was just really calming and you know, especially in that city environment, you know, where there's just people on top of people, just to be able to find that kind of little quiet space yeah, was really, really rewarding. Talk about a mental reset. You got it there. That's right. Yeah. Cool. Well, you know, I never asked you when we were talking about some of the races and rides you've done, but have you ever had any like uh, pretty intense mishaps that you know maybe change the course of your day. Yeah, I think the well, the, the one that really changed the kind of the course of my cycling trajectory was the, this race I did in um, in 2013 in in Queens, New York. It was a little paperclip uh, course and real tight, real intense racing, and I got a little aggressive and and started pedaling out of a turn and and hit the pedal into the tarmac Uh. pretty quickly and basically went from my 25, 30 miles an hour to zero Uh. landed on my head and landed on my frame and broke my frame. But I, you know, I had a concussion, I had very bad, uh, you know, uh, road rash. And that really kind of, because I hit my head, I think that really kind of changed my outlook on road racing in particular. It's, Mm -hmm. it's a pretty, pretty intense and some sometimes dangerous, um, activity that you know uh especially with kids on the way i mm-hmm. decided to kind of transition and that's where i started to focus on the leadville and going back to my my roots and, and mountain biking so that was really you know something that you know fundamentally changed my cycling sure. but like i said with um the austin rattler and, and just every time i do these longer races it's just an opportunity to learn something you know things go wrong and I used to just get so bent out of shape when I would get a flat tire, yeah. you know, or a piece would break. And, and you see, you know, that that doesn't end your cycling forever. It's just, it just maybe like an inconvenience, you know, for that day. And 
to to learn to you know make these a positive you know experience and that's the only reason i come back and do it again tomorrow is because i got some enjoyment out of it yeah yeah so there are there are like you know intermediate mishaps you know like even leadville you know there was stuff that went on that you know make or break a couple minutes and those 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 minutes mean the world to certain people but mm-hmm. you know that 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 happens mm-hmm. um, the crashes are the ones that that are the most uh uh, troublesome sure yeah 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 memorable and life-changing you're right <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah and sometimes expensive right? yeah exactly <laughs> yeah i you know i'm assuming that you uh track i'm a super amateur cyclist and i track every single mile that i do um i'm assuming that you're similar to most cyclists yeah. and that you do like do you have any idea of mileage that you do in a, in a typical year yeah, I, I was just looking. We just finished uh, 2019, and and this platform called Strava is, yeah. is really big, and in promoting the social aspects of riding, but also promoting you know individuals' achievements and getting better each year and going farther and climbing higher. And last year was a good year. You know, biking to work. I did. I just rode down 290 hours of oh, riding man. last year. Wow! And that was about 5,600 miles. That's awesome. And about three hundred fifteen thousand feet of climbing. Oh, so, jeez. Oh, but it's 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 it, ha- I'm happy about it. It's getting closer to the numbers I was doing when I was racing. But you look at the pros and how many miles, or even people who have, you know, more time at their disposal. It's it's crazy what people can do. It and it's really fun, and it drives drives people to do more because you see what other people are doing out there yeah it's it's really i think been a a very good benefit to the cycling community oh definitely yeah being able to track that because and we always say you know it doesn't count unless you see it on strava (laughs) so you know there's that masochistic kind of slant to it but at the same time you know you you don't know how how well you're going unless you track it and try to improve upon right, it. Right, right. And and that feeling when you're on a uh, in new territory and then you realize that somebody else has you oh. know documented their time and you're like, "Oh, it's on now." Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, there's a friendly competition. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh speaking of friendly competition, do you have any anything on the calendar for this year besides uh trying to qualify for Leadville? Yeah, you know, I'm uh there was a really good ride ride that I did last year uh at Pace Bend. Really nice road race and the, you know the culture here is is a little bit more relaxed and that was a very well run race. I'd like to do that. Um I'd like to do this this Austin Rattler try to qualify. I've I've, I've tried uh that race two times in the past and mm-hmm. with uh I guess, you know, decent you know outcomes but i've not been able to qualify for leadville so maybe this third time will will be the charm yeah. we're looking forward to that and then um you know i'd like to do some of these you know sponsored rides you know there's some rides that go out to some of the vineyards or go out to some of the hmm. the uh breweries you know mm-hmm. there's there's definitely a lot of group rides around austin it's uh it's a good community and there's always a lot going on awesome. so some so i don't i don't generally do a lot of the the organized stuff you know we got das hugo coming up in november mm-hmm. so maybe there's like three or four i do a year and then the rest is you know is just pure riding 
freelance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and plus uh, commuting to work, even though... And commuting. Yeah, right. that's, you know, it's something, um, you know, you have to go to work, but uh, the enjoyment of cycling and, you know, like you said, uh, watching people in their cars going at the same <laughs> the yeah. same speed, like, I, that's that's hard to beat. Yeah, and it, it helps me keep on top of things, you know, I, I don't have to you know, train specifically for a race. Like, hey, if a race is coming up, well, I've already been, you know, doing my thing. So I feel like I can kind of just jump in and see how things are going. Yeah. You know, to kind of gauge where I am for the big goals. So it's 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 less stressful from that perspective too. Like, hey, you know, I didn't know there was a race coming up this weekend, but maybe I can do it. Yeah. Just because I've been riding. Yeah. So, but the racing is not always the big thing for me. I do like doing these Das Hugo. I do like doing. You know, the big group rides. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where 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 life is going from a cycling perspective. And and I also really want to try out some of the gravel riding. Ah, I know that's go. something that you're into as well. And that's that's something that I think is 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 definitely the next venture. You know, it kinda it combines the best of road riding as well as mountain biking. And then you just got a great community supporting it. Yeah. And then before you know it, you've got another bike in your garage, which is the gravel bike. That's the gravel <laughs> bike. Because you can't do it with a mountain bike and you can't right. do it with a road bike. Yeah. And you... the gravel bike would be perfect to carry the trailer with the kids. Perfect. Oh there you, know, you go. Or the dog, you know, so perfect, yeah. Well, Michael, this has been awesome just to, you know, learn about you and hear about these um, epic rides and races that I will uh, never participate in, but will certainly uh, spectate. There you go. Yeah. Root us on, all these crazies. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Kathy. I really appreciate the time and it was a pleasure to meet you and hopefully we can do this again soon. Yeah, sounds great. Well, that's it for this week. If you have a moment, please go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review the Morphology Podcast. Also, check out morphologypodcast.com to find all kinds of great info. And if you have a topic, email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Graham Nash. Life is not perfect. It never will be. You just have to make the very best of it, and you have to open your heart to what the world can show you. Sometimes it's terrifying, and sometimes it's beautiful. Think about it.